Well, good morning. For the last few weeks, we as a church have been looking at the Lord's Prayer together, and this is good for us to do. Prayer is a powerful tool for shaping how we think about God, ourselves, the world, and our role in the world. And as Pastor Aaron has said each week in our series, that one of the ways we learn how to pray is being around people who pray. And so looking at this great prayer that Jesus taught us is a way for us to be around him as he prays, to listen to him in order to help foster a habit of prayer in our own lives. And this morning we are in uh, the third petition of this great prayer, your will be done. And so I'm going to read from Matthew 26, and in our passage today, uh, we get to see how Jesus demonstrated in his own life what it meant to pray this part of the prayer that he taught us in the midst of a great, painful struggle he experienced. So I'm going to read Matthew 26, 36 through 46. You can follow along in your order of worship or just listen as I read. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. And he came to disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this story of your Son and all that he did for us. And we thank you that your spirit can use what Jesus did in the garden, what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus is doing now to help us, to encourage us, to challenge us, and hopefully to remind us all of how much we are loved by you. May we hear your word and your truth and your gospel this morning. In your name, amen. So I remember as a kid hearing these words that impact me still today. It was in 1977, and the words came from a movie, and the words were these. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Now, if you're not familiar with those words, they come from the character Obi-Wan Kenobi, and early on in the movie, him and Luke Skywalker are with these droids, R2-D2 and C-3PO, and they get stopped by these stormtroopers. The stormtroopers wanted these droids. They thought they were the droids they were looking for, and they were. But with the sleight of a hand and the words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, he was able to use a Jedi mind trick to make them not think these droids were the ones. Now, in case some of you in this room are not familiar with Jedi mind tricks, let me tell you about them. 
An experienced Jedi can use the Force to implant a suggestion into those they encounter, encouraging them to comply with their will. And I gotta say, as a seven-year-old kid, I tried often to use Jedi mind tricks unsuccessfully. Now, thinking about this memory from my childhood, I have to be honest and say I think it illustrates a little bit of how I sometimes feel about this part of the prayer, your will be done. There's a sense in which I kind of feel like I use this phrase hoping it's like a Jedi mind trick. If I say your will be done, God, maybe I can encourage God to comply with my wishes. I say this petition as if it's almost like a magic formula to get what I want. Maybe you could relate. Or maybe for you, the phrase your will be done is mostly done in resignation. When you pray, you think, God, I don't really believe that prayer is going to do anything really, but I'm going to say this just in case to cover my bases. Or maybe for you, the phrase your will be done is said with an attitude of resentment. God has all this power, but he doesn't seem to answer my requests. Maybe for you, God's will seems so impossible to understand, and it often feels cruel and distant from the day-to-day struggles you're going through. That God does not seem to respond to you even when you pray. So what is the will of God, and what does it mean to pray that God's will will be done? Well, I think it's important to understand that when the scriptures talk about the will of God, we need to see that it talks about it in a couple ways. There is talk of God's will of decree, or God's secret will. And scripture also talks about God's will of desire, or revealed will. I had for our Old Testament lesson a verse from Deuteronomy, which Shane read for us, and let me read it again, because it identifies both of these types of God's will. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. So here's what this means for us. Here's what this verse means for us. God is in control, God is sovereign, and God's will will happen no matter what. But that doesn't mean that we will always see or know the secret will of God. It's not always clear or visible what God is doing, what is his plan, and why he allows certain things to happen, and why he prevents certain things from happening. And this is frustrating for us. It's frustrating because sometimes we don't know specifically if God's will is this for our lives. It's hard when we face questions in our lives. It's hard when we face struggles in our lives. It's hard when we don't know what's going on in the world or in our lives and we wonder, God, is your will really being done? Is God willing to answer our prayers when we see all the suffering and the pain and the loss and the brokenness? Will God's will be done about that today? And we need to talk about that for sure with this amazing story of Jesus in the garden A story where God's own son didn't get the answer from God he wanted. But before we dig deeper into that passage, we need to remember that there's not only the secret things that belong to God, but Deuteronomy says there are things that are revealed to us that belong to us and our children. The scriptures are clear that God does reveal himself in his word. God tells us the desires that he has for our lives. And we can and should pray for us and for others that they will be filled 
with the knowledge of God's will. That's what Paul prayed for the church in Colossae. That was our New Testament lesson. Paul prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And he tells us why. Why he wants that church and why he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pleasing to him and bearing fruit in every good work. God might not tell us everything we want or expect. And this is hard for us at times. But we can see throughout Scripture that God's will for us is to follow his commands and to walk in his way. And this is a struggle for many of us. Our culture pushes back on this very thing. We live in a world that tells the more free we are to decide what is right and what is wrong, the better we will be. We live in a world today that tells us if no one tells us how to live our lives, we will be happier. The difficulty in regarding God's will might not be for us that we don't understand it or it's hidden. The difficulty in regards to God's will is we don't want to do it. We want our will to be done, not God's will. To pray your will be done is to ask God to bring our will and our desires into line with his. To pray your will be done is to ask God not just to give us what we want, but to help us get caught up into something greater than our wants and desires. And listen, to pray your will be done is a lifelong journey and struggle to ask that God's will will be a little bit more seriously taken in our lives and perhaps our own will will be taken a little less serious. And this is hard to do because our own desires consume us so much. It's hard to do because we have to wait for God's will to be fulfilled and he doesn't seem to be moving fast enough. It is hard to have patience that God's will will be done. We want what we want, and we want it now. At least that's how I pray often. And so to pray God's will be done is to attempt to help us pray what God wants when he wants it. And what does God want? Well, just think about the beginning of this prayer. What God wants is his name to be hallowed. God wants his kingdom to come, and God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray this part of the prayer that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are in effect taking a stand against the world as it is now and asking for more. We're asking for what is happening now in heaven. God's name is being hallowed right now in heaven. Jesus is on the throne in heaven and God's will is being done in heaven. And we want this reign and rule to become more visible in our lives today. When we pray your will be done, we're we're adopting an appropriate distress of the world as it is and holding on to conviction that God's changing this world even now through his will. And this is hard to believe in the world of pain and struggle that we experience. Even if we truly attempt to live our lives seeking and praying for God's will to be done, there are times when there will be dark despair and times of great pain Some of you are in that right now. We will have times when we just don't see God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's in the midst of those struggles that you're either in right now or you will be in at one point. That it's good for us to look at this night in Gethsemane with our Savior and how he prayed, your will be done. You see, God's will is not found just in moments of obvious health and beauty and joy. God's will is also at work in the suffering, darkness, and torment of our lives. 
The fact that Jesus accepts the will of the Father in darkness and torment is not only a good example for us on how we should pray as he taught us, but what Jesus does with God's will in the garden is our only hope to believe that God's will will be completely done one day. So our passage today begins soon after Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room celebrating Passover. And after that meal, Jesus heads over to Gethsemane with his disciples to pray. He tells eight of the disciples to sit, and he takes three, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, with him to pray. The text says that he is sorrowful and troubled. Jesus' heart is broken to the point of death because he knows what's about to come upon him. Now here's the thing. Just the chapter before, while he was in the upper room, he once again explained everything that was going to happen. He told the disciples that he was going to be betrayed. He told the disciples he was going to be executed, but he was going to be resurrected and he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Jesus knew the facts. He knew these facts for a long time. He knew the truth of what was about to come upon him. He knew that he had to drink the cup. The cup the prophets spoke about. The cup of God's wrath. And he knew that when he drank that cup on the cross for our sins, his father would forsake him for a moment. And this led Jesus to great despair, grief, and weakness. This is a horrible moment in our Savior's life. And he did not want to be alone in this pain. Jesus looks at Peter and James and John and he says, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. The humanity of Jesus is on display here. He wants company. As Jesus is about to wrestle with trying to understand the will of God, he does not want to do it alone. He wants his disciples to join him as he seeks his Father's will. Now, he has already taken these three disciples earlier in his ministry to see his glory at the transfiguration. And now near the end of his ministry on this earth, he takes these three to a garden where they get to see the darkness and despair of Jesus. See, Jesus throughout his whole life longed for his disciples to gather together to celebrate as well as to mourn, to enjoy and and rejoice together and to pray and watch together. And this is still true for us today. Seeking the Lord's will together is a good thing. Not trying to live for God's will on your own is essential. Watching and praying for each other is needed in our lives. Being there together as we wrestle with the call of God in our lives is a good thing for us, church. You know, every week you hear during the announcement times that we as a staff pray for you every Tuesday and Thursday. And normally you hear the person doing the liturgy say that we love to pray for you. And this is 100% true. It is an honor to join with you as you seek to understand God's will when it comes to your relationships, your jobs, your health, the family dynamics you're going through, the struggle and the loss you're experiencing. Thank you for letting us watch and pray with you. And thank you for those of you that I know watch and pray for us as a staff. We need it. It is good that Jesus has taught us and called us to watch and pray, and it is good that we can know when and why and how to be people who pray. 
And before we move on to this actual prayer of Jesus more closely, I just want to say one more thing about these disciples in regards to this idea of praying your will be done. The more I reflected upon this passage, in fact, all week, I think this was the part of the passage for some reason I was stuck on most. I was really struck by these three disciples in particular and how they seem to care more for their own will than God's will. And I wonder how this garden experience changed them. I mean, think about Peter. (laughs) He's the one that we could read about earlier in the gospel who really knows God's will and understands God's plan, so much so that he tells Jesus to stop talking about his death. He confronts Jesus and says, stop doing that. I know what's right. And he is called Satan by Jesus because he believed he knew the will of God better than Jesus did himself. Are we any different than him? Peter also believed he had the power in himself to will himself to faithfulness. In the upper room, Jesus warned all the disciples that they would run from him. And Peter emphatically says, I will never fall away. Peter was bold because of his own will and abilities, not because of God's will and desire. Are we any different today? And then there's James and John. You might remember that about a week or so before this time in the garden, they got their mom to ask Jesus to let them sit on the right hand and the left hand of him in his kingdom. They got their mom to try to get them power and glory. They had a wrong misunderstanding of Jesus' kingdom and the will for their lives. They thought it was all about power and status and glory. Are we any different today? And here's the reality. All the disciples claimed they would never desert Jesus, and every single one of them failed miserably. None of the disciples could stay awake, and none of them could do what Jesus called them to do in verse 41, to watch and pray that they may not enter temptation. And again, let me ask, are we any different? We are not. What Jesus says about the disciples here in this garden is true about you and I in this room today. Our spirit might be willing, but our flesh is weak. Human aspirations, goals, and desires are impacted by human limitation. We are not strong enough on our own to do what we're called to do here. Our own willpower is weak, and we need to continually pray that God's will will be done. We need to pray that we, just like the disciples, don't have the willpower or the strength to watch and pray. We need to admit that and believe that and accept that. Our wills are weak, our desires are tainted, and our flesh is fallen. And without the obedience of Jesus throughout his life up to this death, we would have no hope. The way for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is found through Jesus' suffering and death. And we should marvel at what Jesus does for us here in this passage. We hear this passage often during Lent and Good Friday, but it is good in the month of May and any other month to reflect upon what Jesus does for us in this passage. You see, Jesus wants to be spared the death of the cross and God's wrath against our sin. On his face, in deep pain and sorrow, he is honest with his heavenly Father. He cries out with tears, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus definitely wants out. He wants to avoid the wrath of God. And listen, he is allowed to ask for this. 
Jesus is allowed to question God's plan for his life. But in his asking, in his questioning, he acknowledges that such a request may not be possible. And so he defers to God's will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Listen, we too are allowed to come to the Father and reveal our desires and wants. God wants us to be honest with him, with our requests, with our doubts, with our concerns, and with our needs. God loves to hear his children ask him for things. God loves for us to ask what we want and what we think we need. But we must know and believe that if God indulged all our wishes, it wouldn't be for our best interest. For we don't know what is the best. We might think we do, and often we're way off, and God is actually gracious at times to say no. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it something we could just fully understand on our own. But the truth about God saying no to some requests that we must grab hold of is if God had indulged the wishes of his son Jesus here, we would have no hope. The only way that God's will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven is for him to look at his son suffering and say, no. See, Jesus lived the life of faithful obedience to his father's death, and now in the end, he chooses his father's plan over his own desires and want, and this is what gives us life and salvation. Jesus drank the cup of judgment we deserved. Jesus, always obedient, took on disobedience in order to give us hope as his father turned away from him. And Jesus chose his own will and desire, chose us over his own will and desire. Jesus chose you and me over life, over what he wanted. And so my call to you is to be encouraged today, to be thankful today, and be in worship today and in your lives that the no to Jesus is the only way the will of God will one day truly come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have because of what Jesus did. And Father, it does not take away the pain and the questions and the heart hurt that many of us are experiencing. It does not take away the loss and the anguish hearts that some of us are feeling right now. Father, may we know that you see us and you love us and you care for us. And may you help all of us, whether we're going through a great time right now in our lives, we're in a difficult time, or just in an apathetic time. Wherever we are with you, help us to just know a little bit today that you do have a will for us that is good and pleasing and allows us to live our lives in a manner worthy of you. May we believe that today as we go from here. In your name, amen.